From the heartland of America, focused on God, family, and country, the mouthpiece of the Midwest, this is Dale Carter's America. Welcome back to the podcast that solves all of the problems of the world. And it's my t-shirt says, liberals, what are you offended about this morning? We'll get into all of that. Actually, as a conservative, I'm kind of offended by some things, and we're going to get to that coming up quick here. Uh, we are brought to you in part by my good friend Bob Watson, Blue Springs State Farm agent for five decades, 7th and Main in Blue Springs, 816-229-7878, Auto Home Life. Boy, this is the time to reevaluate your insurance. And at State Farm, you get surprisingly great rates. With Bob Watson, you get unsurprisingly great service. He's got a team that's been on my side for nearly 30 years, and they'll help you as well. 816-229-7878, officed in Blue Springs, but licensed in both Missouri and Kansas. Call Bob and get a quote today. Well, another Juneteenth is in the books, Kurt Wheeler, with violence and murder nationwide. Isn't that something? Yep. It's great to celebrate. It's uh, what I call another of those BS holidays. I mean, you know, it's it's only been around since 2021. Joe Biden put it into effect, right? And historically, it deals with when the word finally got to Texas that the Civil War was over and the slaves were free, right? If you want to do a holiday along these lines, why not the day the Emancipation Proclamation was signed? Yeah. Why not something big like that? Probably because it happened in June, and they needed a good June holiday, right? When when was the Emancipation Proclamation? Mm, I don't know what month it was in specifically, but um, it happened during the Civil War. And quite frankly, um, the thing about the Emancipation Proclamation was it was not— meant to necessarily free the slaves. It was used as a tactic in the war where President Lincoln freed the slaves in the South. So that they could fight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it was it was more of a tactic. But I just, you know, it's just one of those feel-good virtue signal things. And to go along with that, you got Cory Booker, who made an appearance, uh, you know, the senator from New Jersey who's run for president. Um, he's the guy who claimed he was Spartacus in a hearing. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Spartacus. Um, anyway, he's making the case again for studying reparations. You know why? Because it sounds so good until you dig into the details of who gets reparations? How are we going to pay for it? How long does it last? Because I believe it's an extortion scheme. And you know what they say about extortion, right? Once it starts, it never ends. Yeah, and it's never enough. Never going to be enough. Here's the clip. And so I wonder about having the last word. What happens when the last word is no words, when it's silence? And I feel a sense of anger where we are in the United States of America, where we have not had direct conversations about a lot of the root causes of the inequities and the pain and the hurt manifested in economic disparities, manifested in health disparities, manifested in a, a, a criminal justice system that is indeed a form of new Jim Crow. <laughs> and so we as a nation have not yet truly acknowledged and grappled with racism and white supremacy that has tainted this country's founding and continues to persist in those deep racial disparities and inequalities today. This is a very important hearing. I'm it is historic. It is urgent. Yeah, that's, you know, um, and that just uh, took me down another rabbit hole. Uh, I think you've probably seen Barack Obama come out and basically criticize Tim Scott, 
and say that Tim Scott has no plan and, you know, his words are just kind of like blah, 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 blah. Well, Tim Scott, when he was in South Carolina, was doing enterprise zones. Tim Scott put forward a bill on police reform that went nowhere in the Democrat Senate. What did Barack Obama do for eight years to move race relations forward in this country? Yeah, I think a lot of uh, black people, I mean, not maybe not most, but but many are sort of realizing that Obama didn't really do anything for their community. I mean, he did a lot of talk, um, a lot of virtue signaling, you know, as we always talk about, but not really a whole lot of action on actually lifting people out of poverty, creating opportunity for people to succeed on their own, you know, because that's what it's really about. It's not about government handouts. It's about deep are you capable of, yeah. you know, actually making a life for yourself? Well, speaking of government handouts, you know, Joey B's got his bribe, uh, you know, scheme, basically carving out a segment of the population that he thinks leans very much to the left and very Democrat, and that would be the folks who have racked up some student loan debt. And so he's holding this little carrot out there of, you know, ten thousand bucks, twenty thousand if you got a Pell Grant and all that. Uh, meanwhile, the Supreme Court still hasn't weighed in on that. I think it's unconstitutional. We'll find out what the Supreme Court thinks. Meanwhile, Republicans are putting forward a plan to actually look at um, what's going on in colleges and universities, because this this scam where Biden is going to transfer debt from those who racked it up and signed for it to those people who either paid off their debt or never had it in the first place because they went to a trade school, maybe they went to the military, something like that. it's a transfer. It's not a forgiveness thing. It's transfer to other taxpayers, right? Yeah. And so what Republicans are doing is taking a look at what's going on in universities and colleges. Because if this goes through, the cost of education will continue to balloon. Why is it ballooning out of control? Is there truth in lending that, that should be, you know, uh, things that should be told to people before they sign on that dotted line? Maybe that basket-weaving major that you have at a liberal arts college isn't necessarily the thing to borrow $100,000 on. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Maybe it's those people who should be paying off everyone else's student loans, you know? Yeah. I mean, I say that I have a music degree, so yeah, maybe I'm screwed, but. <laughs> Did you take out student loans for that? Um, I have some, but not, not too much, but yeah, some. And you have every intention of repaying them, right? Yeah. You're not waiting for Joe Biden to say, hey, here's $10,000. Who yeah, are you yeah. going to vote for, I'm Kurt? Gonna, I'm going to introduce a bill in, uh, in the House to to uh, eliminate all student loans for music majors specifically. Oh, my gosh. And not just that specifically. I mean, you know, when you go to college, I think you should be looking at studying something that that you're going to be able to turn into a career, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe music could be a career for people. It is a career for a lot of people. Um, I, I was not, you know, when I started in college, I was a communications major. And, you know, communications is one of those things, talent on the radio specifically, it's not something you can teach in a classroom. Right. You either got it or you don't. Yeah. It's kind of like I was never going to play quarterback on the football team because I don't have that. Right. I have what I have. And these people who were communications majors, who talk like this, I'm like, you're never going to cut it. (laughs) Maybe you'll become a chief engineer or something. God knows we need those at radio stations for sure uh, to keep things moving. Um, But don't waste your money on an education and rack up hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt uh, for something that you're never going to be able to monetize in life. That is my advice to anyone who is thinking about uh, going to college and not Uh, able to pay for it or not knowing what you're signing moving forward. Okay, on today's podcast, we're going to talk more about how anyone but Trump 
is working out for America. We're going to have an important discussion on China. I think this is the hot-button topic that we really all should be paying attention to. Gavin Newsom promoting further restrictions on gun ownership. We'll talk about the harm our two-tiered justice system is having on the country with real-life examples. And um, we started this last week on the podcast. We're going to give out a second full-of-shit award. And Kurt's worked really hard to come up with something entertaining (laughs) to lead us into the full-of-shit award. Um, And we'll get to that coming up here in just a bit. More sponsors we want to thank along the way. Medicare Simplified KC.com. That's Kirk Doris's company. Uh, they're in Independence at 3600 South Nolan Road. You can reach them at 816-701-6661. If you are approaching 65, you need to call Kirk Doris because what you are about to come across is a tangled web of Medicare. All right? Part A, Part B, Part C, you know, which one do you take? How do you take it? Should you take it? Kirk will walk you through all of that, and you won't even have to pay him. He gets paid by the insurance companies on commission. So he will walk you through everything you need to do. Um, He's a great guy. He's going to take care of you, his entire team. You can find them on the web at MedicareSimplifiedKC.com. And again, the phone number, 816-701-6661. If you're approaching the age of 65, this is a must-call for you. If you've got a parent who is approaching 65, call on their behalf and get that conversation started. And maybe after you've done that with mom or dad, maybe you go to Funhouse Pizza. It's a great place to have lunch, right? Jim Dingman's group there, uh, they've got a couple of locations. They're in Lee Summit on 50 Highway, Blue Springs on 7 Highway. Fantastic pizza, awesome atmosphere. Jim's always giving away stuff too. Uh, He's got like concert tickets. He'll have Chiefs tickets when we get to football season and all that. And it's the place we gather when we do the podcast event live. Uh, Keep an eye on the calendar for that. The next one of those is going to be in uh, Blue Springs probably in the fall. So Fun House Pizza, 50 Highway in Lee Summit, 7 Highway in Blue Springs. Well, they got a car show going? What's that all about? Yeah, yeah. He has, uh, I think he does it semi-regularly, maybe every other month or so. He has a classic car show. Always something fun there. Um, does he have his, do we have his website going? Yeah, yeah, I'll pull it up. Yeah, pull up the website and uh, just check it out with all the events that are going on. You can also follow him on Facebook as well. All right, let's get into this whole uh, China thing. Our top diplomat, Antony Blinken, met with Prime, uh, Chinese President Xi uh, they kind of did the shake hand. They look. I mean, does that look? Does that look friendly to you? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They're standing away from each other. Everyone's wearing a mask except for President Xi. Yeah. <laughs> and they talked about. I mean, you've got a clip here. Is is the clip going to be what Blinken said? Yeah, about Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah. Because play that, and then and then what I want to talk about is a discussion on what he should have been talking about with President Xi. On Taiwan, I reiterated the long-standing U.S. one-China policy. Uh, That policy has not changed. It's guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint communiques, the six assurances. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side. We continue to expect the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. Hmm. 
Well, you know, the issue there is, um, what is it, the little things that go in computers, the chips and all that? Yeah, yeah. microchips. Yeah, yeah, like 90% of them in the world are made in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So we want to keep the status quo. I mean, that's you talk about a shit sandwich. I mean, that doesn't give Taiwan what they want. It doesn't give China what they want. He's just gone over there and went blah, 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 blah. Now, what he should have done, all right, is say, if you fly a balloon over our country again, it's an act of war. Yeah. I mean, get a little tough with these people. Why Why would we let them fly a balloon over all of our sensitive areas there and not shoot it down until it got to the Atlantic? You've got spies in this country stealing our technology. And sleeping with congressmen. Well, you know, <laughs> no accounting for taste among the uh, Chinese. Um, you've got secret police in our major cities, you know, that are ferreting out Chinese nationals who live in this country. I mean, that's just stuff that we ought to stay stay strong on and say, you know, you can't do that. We're not going to allow that. Yeah. I mean, he's just going over there and just getting steamrolled by by she is yeah. what it sounds like. I mean, that putting up no resistance whatsoever. Um, and then there was another clip, too. I'll see if I can find it real quick. But um, he gave an interview about, I guess, apparently um, we have like prisoners over there or something. I'm sure we do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, let me pull this up. Mark Swedan's health in particular uh, is a worry. His mother has spoken to, to CBS and other news organizations. Yes, I'm, de- I'm, I'm deeply concerned about that. And that's exactly why I, I not only raised, but talked some length about the individual cases of the detained uh, Americans. Is, are we in a place, though, as two governments where you're negotiating or even talking about a prisoner release, or is this yes, just... Yes, we are. You are? We are. And there's progress? Uh, again, I, I don't want to get into the, uh, the details, but we are uh, very actively talking about that. Yeah. Well, that would certainly be a breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where she went to journalism school. Of anything else be uh, a very important and positive development, and we're yeah. working it intensely. Well, you don't have to go back too far in history to see what China does to dissidents anyway. Yeah. Tiananmen Square is a great example of that. And can you imagine if we had flown a spy balloon over mainland China? Yeah, right. What would that have looked like? You know, that's why we've got to stand up to these people and be tough with them. And that's why... Um, <laughs> what is it again? It's uh, it's Kurt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've got a brain break now because of Kirk Doris at MedicareSimplifiedKC.com, and now I can't keep the two of you straight. Did you have to just look up my name on I a did. piece of paper? I looked up his to oh, go the okay. opposite way. <laughs> um, that's why things like whether Joe Biden is compromised, why that matters. Okay? We're not just blowing smoke here. And I know there's a lot of stuff with Trump, and he's being, you know, indicted for this, indicted for that, investigated for this, investigated for that. But so far, nothing that Trump has been accused of has risen to the level of, is our president compromised by the country that wants to um, be the lone superpower? Yeah. Is he compromised? We've got to let Comer have everything he wants in these investigations to take it as far as it will go and find out. I mean, I want to know yes or no. Uh, And if it's no, let's move on. Let's get this off of our plate. But if, in fact, there are millions of dollars that have come from China and Romania and other places and have gone to Joe Biden and his family, filtered through LLCs in a way that a crime family would do, 
I mean, we, we need to know that. We need to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, and the irony, too, is obviously that, you know, they spent all this time trying to say that Trump was compromised by the Russians, that he was basically a Russian agent with no no legitimate evidence. And the evidence that they did have was put together by the political opposition, basically made up out of whole cloth. And now that we have, you know, actual suggestions of, of uh, improper dealings with the Chinese by the Biden family and the Biden administration, you know, it's crickets. So, yeah. And we'll get to that coming up here in our next segment, which is we call, speaking of Joey B, should we go to the ice cream parlor? Let's go to the ice cream parlor. Poor guy had to have a root canal. Too much ice cream. My name is Joe Biden, and I love ice cream. (laughs) I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. (laughs) Did Joe Biden eat ice cream? Well, some people think that's all I do is eat ice cream. Chocolate, chocolate chip. You've been with your mother. I can smell ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Now, Kurt, when when you have children down the road here, you're going to find something is true. Uh, that when I was a parent, maybe I maybe I did not parent by the book. I'm not sure that there is a book for how you parent. But when your kid does something really stupid, right, and you want to get their attention and make them look at it, what you do is you grab them by the chin and you hold their face so that they can see the stupidity of what they have done. Okay. <clears throat> All right. That's what we need to do with anybody who voted for Joe Biden (laughs) and is even thinking about voting for Joe Biden again, because you need to have your chin held to the TV screen and to see exactly how stupid what you have done is. (laughs) Yeah. It's not getting any better. Tough love. (laughs) It's not getting any better. And, you know, I, I say this almost every week that when you see Joe Biden this week, this is as good as it gets. Right. And every week there is slippage. And um, I felt so sorry for him when he got off the plane out in California to go see Gavin Newsom because Gavin wasn't waiting at the bottom of the steps. I think Gavin is like trying to force an event that's going to allow him to get into the 2024 yeah. campaign because he was standing like, you know, a football field away. It's and like, let's make him walk as far as possible. The cameras <laughs> had to show him walking like Tim Conway in that old skit on the Carol Burnett show yeah. where Tim Conway played an old man and he walked like, because that's how Joe Biden is walking. And then we have some clips, and this is just from the last week. Uh, and I don't know what order you want to roll these in. Is this the first one we're going to go with the railway the, across the, railroad the Indian is, Ocean? The railroad is first, yes. Well, we're going to end and we're going to help. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. Wow. We have plans to build in in, in, in Angola, man, one of the man, largest man, solar man. plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. Now, that is the <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. That's the most telling thing of that whole clip. I'm off script. You know, White House uh, employees are standing around going, oh, my God, what are we going to do here? Um, But he's not done. He went to West Hartford, Connecticut. I know that area very well. And this was just bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, this is a weird one. All right. God save the queen, man. Now watch. If you're watching on YouTube, this is why. Yeah. I'm going to go that way. No, I'm going to go that way. And then the Secret Service comes to get him. All right. God save. That was a good one. And yeah. then we have, uh, there was another one from that same speech. You didn't have this on your list, but uh, as a gun guy, I found this hilarious. Made it harder for people to buy stabilized bra- braces. Put a pistol on a brace, it may- turns into a gun. Makes it more, you can have a higher caliber weapon, a higher caliber bullet coming out of that gun. Made it harder for people to buy <laughs> you catch that? stabilized bra- braces. 
Put a pistol on a brace. It makes it's it just into a gun. painful. Put a pistol on a brace. It turns into a gun. It makes it so uh, you could shoot a higher caliber bullet out of that gun. <laughs> and they're covering for him. They're covering for him in the media. They're covering for him. They're saying, ah, that's just Joe. You had, Bi- you had Trump basically have a typo in a tweet. When he came up with the word kofefe, which nobody knew what in the hell that meant, oh, right? One of the greatest And of that all got time. wall-to-wall coverage. We're still talking about it. Yeah. That's how great it was. <laughs> okay. So the Democrats are trying to make him look better. So they got Fetterman, who's basically a vegetable in the, uh, the Senate. Elections have consequences. Pennsylvania didn't want to vote for Dr. Oz. So you got the guy who shows up to the Senate of the United States in a hoodie and shorts every day. And he can't put a sentence together. So they put him next to the President of the United States, who also can't put a sentence together these days. And Fetterman, I mean, makes him look like Ronald Reagan. (laughs) And now I'm standing next to the President again, next to a a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the the governor and the the delegation (laughs) to make sure that we get this fixed quick fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation uh, bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across the America getting rebuilt. Oh, my God. Did they let Biden speak at this thing? Because I only heard Fetterman. <sighs> Maybe they don't. I don't know. Because he would come off sounding like Winston Churchill. That's just after painful, that. man. That's that's w- legitimately painful to watch. It's he is a tough. United States senator, and that's how he goes to work. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know that we're relaxing dress codes in this country. I mean, I'm wearing a t-shirt and shorts today and sandals doing the podcast, but I'm a radio guy. Yeah. If I went to, you know, Ronald Reagan once was quoted as saying, you know, every time he went to the Oval Office, he had a jacket and tie on because of respect for the building, respect for the office. What kind of respect is this show when this guy shows up in a hoodie and uh, gym shorts? We had somebody on the Facebook page, uh, probably our favorite liberal, but I don't remember if it was him. Your favorite liberal. Yeah. You know, make a comparison to, there was one time, I guess, Ted Cruz was at the gym or something and was running late for a here a, a vote and he showed up in like gym shorts and a t-shirt to Does a he vote. really want to compare that to this because this yeah. is every day. It's every day and I'm pretty sure that the Ted Cruz thing was an accident. Yeah. You know, we can, we can have a little grace here. You know, if it was like, "Oh, I was uh, you know, wearing my hoodie and I forgot that I had to come to the Senate." No, he's like giving press conferences. He's introducing the President of the United States in a hoodie and it's just you know, it matters. These things matter. Beauty of our buildings, like in in our, our of our federal buildings, like that's another perfect example. These things matter. Dress code for our politicians and for our public officers. That's why we have uniforms in the military because we don't want them looking like slobs. They represent the the safety and security of our nation, and and it's just clearly shows that you're not taking it seriously. Well, and what Biden has going for him in Fetterman, too, is ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, and CNN are all running cover. They're running cover for everything that happens. In fact, with Comer's investigation, which I think is, uh, we just stated this earlier in the podcast, I think it is so much more important than what's going on with Trump and all of this and all of that, and we'll get into some of that coming up later. Um the networks devoted zero seconds of coverage 
to anything out of Comer's committee on the Bidens. They had hundreds of hours of coverage on Trump's indictments. That you know, I know it's unfair, and it's just something that we deal with. Um, but you know, the Democrats kind of have this. They they have the networks and the, and the regular they call it the heritage media by the short hairs. Yeah. Right. I don't know why. Do you? Can you come up with any feasible reason why why they're not asking questions? Um, I mean, I think it's just all liberals that work there, um, and they don't want to see. It's it's all part of the same thing, and you know you have people that work in the media going to work in Washington or vice versa. I mean, look at the staff of of a lot of these major networks. Uh, anyone from I mean, Stephanopoulos is is a good example that comes to mind. He was a a, a lifelong Democrat operative, you know, political operative. Mm. You have people that are lobbyists uh, going to work for media companies, you have the media in, in a lot of ways controlled by these lobbies, specifically the pharmaceutical industry, because of the amount of uh, ad revenue that they get from these industries. So it's all part of the same sort of monolithic uh, establishment. You know, it's not just the government, it's it's the universities, it's the media, it's uh, the lobbyists, it's the, the departments and agencies, they're all of the same ilk. And that's why they all go in lockstep, you know, all the time. Interesting that you brought up the pharmaceutical industry because uh, now the Democrats are basically torpedoing RFK Jr. at every turn yeah. because he's a threat. He's yeah. a threat to what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I should probably post this, but I uh, watched, he went on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just really interesting. He's, he's a really interesting guy. And I, I'm finding myself... You know, I don't know if I would vote for him like over Trump or DeSantis, but certainly over somebody like Chris Christie or one of these right. other Republicans. But do you feel would, like the Democrats are trying to take him out? Oh, 100 percent. Well, yeah. And, and because he is a threat. I mean, he's bringing up things that are not to be spoken of, yeah. um, such as, you know, what I, what I mentioned with the pharmaceutical industry, such as the corruption of the Democrat Party, such as the uh, the establishment's lockstep censorship of, of things that don't fit the narrative. And he's a perfect example of that. He was censored during COVID for being critical of certain things, including the, the COVID vaccine. Yeah. He was, uh, and now he's being censored again. I mean, people are, he's kind of doing this thing that a lot of um, candidates do where they sort of make the round on a lot of podcasts and things like that. He's been on like Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, Theo Vaughn. You should try and get him on here. Yeah, maybe. That Let's would be awesome. That. that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he and all of them are getting their shows taken off of YouTube because he's bringing up these things. So ah, we're uh, on YouTube. So forget we said that. Ixnay on the RFKJ. Well, yeah. I mean, if we had if we had him actually on, it would be a problem. But uh, I think yeah. talking about it's fine. You know, I was I was watching Larry Elder yesterday, who is one of the candidates, obviously, for the Republican nomination. And uh, he was giving an interview on and uh, Neil Cavuto, I think, is who interviewed him. And he was talking about what he thinks on the Democrat side. And he said and this he said it so well. He said, as long as Joe Biden is fogging a mirror, he will be the nominee for the Democratic Party. Yeah. And Cavuto said, OK, well, what about Gavin Newsom, who's kind of waiting in the wings? And, you know, from a black man's perspective that Larry Elder is, he had an interesting take on it. He said, there is no way if Joe Biden cannot fog a mirror. In fact, even if he can't, 
They may set him up like Weekend at Bernie's. Um, there's no way that Kamala Harris is not the nominee of the Democrat Party because they rely, especially the first primary that matters to them. You know, the, the primaries, uh, the first primary is always New Hampshire, and then you got the caucuses in Iowa. The Democratic National Committee basically has said those two don't count. Yeah. We're moving on to South Carolina. Yeah. South Carolina is a predominantly black state and a predominantly female black state. They have the majority down there. Um, and those folks, if Gavin Newsom, a white guy, stepped over Kamala Harris to go for the nomination, that would cause real problems in that community. Maybe. I mean, I don't think that Kamala Harris is really popular. Nobody likes her, so <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if she would be the choice or not. I mean, I think certainly Gavin Newsom, if he wanted to present a, a true challenge to Biden, like on his own, I think he would have announced by now. Yeah, I think probably he's not going to do that. Yeah, I think probably what's most likely because he is part of this, you know, establishment sort of liberal regime type thing. You know, he's waiting for his turn like a good boy. And uh, unless something happens to Biden, either in terms of public opinion or in terms of him losing favor with uh, certain people or in terms of his health, Potentially, you know, he's kind of waiting for something like mm -hmm. that to happen so that he can be the next golden boy in the in the Democrat Party. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, the Justice Department just threw Joe Biden and the Biden family a life preserver. Um, this is news coming in, breaking news as we do the podcast, that Hunter Biden has cut a deal with the DOJ. The charges weren't even formal yet, and they cut a deal on the gun charge and the tax evasion charge, taking it down to a misdemeanor. So that's going to be wiped out. There, there won't be any trial to distract from the campaign, what there is of it at this point. Um, so you got to love that. You got to love having the media in your pocket on the left side, and then you got the DOJ in your pocket on the right side. Yeah, I mean, doesn't that tell you everything? I mean, it is a little bit different because Hunter Biden is the son of the president, not the president. But Biden should be investigated too, obviously. But it, isn't it interesting that you have Trump who is going through all this stuff? He's been being arrested and indicted. You know who knows how many times they're setting his trial date for spring of 2024 when right. the middle of the campaign. And meanwhile, Hunter Biden, before the charges are even formally filed, from what I understand, he reaches a plea deal. It's over. You know, it's like they, they take care of it right away, sleep it under the rug and we won't hear about it anymore. Well, and then here's another interesting take. This, this gives you an idea of what the media is all about. Because when I got to work this morning, I did not see the Donald Trump interview with Brett Baer. The first, uh, uh, part of that was aired last night on Fox. They're going to air the second part tonight. I didn't see any of it, right? So um, I'm just looking at the news that comes across the wire again at KFKF. It's written by NBC News. The top story in every newscast of every hour, you ready for this, was Trump says he really won in 2020, maintains the claim that he really won in 2020. Okay, so I thought, my God, is that the only thing he said in the yeah. interview with Brett? And then I went to the clips on the interview with Brett, and he talked about China, he talked about Russia, he talked about a lot of things that really matter. And to your point was, you know, I would always say that Trump hurts himself because he's talking about this, and they're going to extrapolate that out, and that's all that they're going to put on the newswire, right? Yeah. And that if he hadn't said that, they probably wouldn't cover it at all, right? 
Well, they couldn't cover it if he didn't say it, but the, the point no, that i No, they I've wouldn't always... cover anything. They right, wouldn't right, say right. he was on Fox and he was right. talking about China and Russia and all the things that we care about. Right. They wouldn't say anything. Right. But because he said this, it's the lead story on all the newscasts. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I've been trying to say this whole time is it's not necessarily that he doesn't sometimes put his foot in his mouth, because he does, but he is very substantive most of the time. And he, he has shown himself to be a, a great leader in the movement. And, you know, the, the focus is on these things because that's what the media wants to focus on. And it goes back to the, uh, the town hall that he did with CNN. We played the clip after the town hall, they had the group of Trump voters and the CNN guy was like, what do you think about Trump? Uh, the very, you know, right at the beginning of the debate, he said that the, the 2020 election was rigged and the guy was like, well, you asked him about it. So maybe you should ask him about 2024 instead of asking him about 2020. And it's so true. That's where they, that's where their, uh, bread is buttered is, is with constantly rehashing the 2020 election and smearing Trump and saying, you know, oh, he's been indicted and all this stuff. That's, that's what it. they want to talk about. They don't want to talk about Biden. They don't want to talk about the Biden family. They don't want to talk about China. They don't want to talk about the economy uh, because those things don't look good for them. So that's and that's why I, I gave you my parenting tip. When you got a child that does something really stupid, you pull them by the chin right to the front of the TV and make them watch everything that they did. And Biden gives you something every day as a reminder of why it was stupidity on your part to vote for anybody but Trump. Yeah. I found this clip, too. I think this is the right clip, but uh, one of the – I didn't watch the interview either, the full interview, but uh, he had a funny clip on there. He's with Brett Baer on Fox News, and there's been this thing you know, with Fox getting rid of Tucker and their, their ratings going down and stuff. So Trump was basically calling out Fox News on Fox News, which I thought was kind of funny. And one thing happens, I find, with me that I think didn't happen so much with other presidents. Uh, call it glamorous time, call it whatever. But with me, the Times, the Washington Post, various people, even Fox, because you know I'm no great fan of Fox anymore. They fought me. They fought me very hard. Well, you got to get your word out somehow, right? They fought <laughs> me very hard in 2016, very much the way they're fighting me now. Very, very hard. And then he had that was actually not the clip I was looking for, but I won't worry about it. But he had another clip where. Uh, where he was like, and you know, Fox's ratings going down, they're going down. And Brett's like, well, you know, still a lot of people watching. He's like, well, not as many people, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's just brutal. It's just great. know, you know, on our side of the aisle, just know that you've got the media against you. Okay. You've got the justice department against you. And we've still got to fight the good fight every day because it really matters in the long run. Yeah. That's my message to you. Yep. My message is also, if you've got a leaky roof, there's one guy you need to call. And that's Austin Watterson and his family at Royal Roofing and Solar in Cass County. 816-540-7057. Um, we're still, they, they tell me my roof is going to be on by the end of the month. So we better get on it. Counting right? down the days. Counting down the days. And I'm going to, I'll have before and after pictures for you. I, I took a bunch of before pictures and it'll show you why I needed that new roof. And uh, Royal Roofing and Solar is taking care of that. Uh, they've got solar in the name because, you know, it's a way that you can own your utilities. Turn your house into an electric generator. God knows, as the Biden administration is fighting you on every appliance that you have in your house, maybe your house ought to be set up as its own utility. And Austin can show you how to get that done with tax credits, grants for small and rural business, and uh, ag producers as well. Plus, he's just a fantastic guy and a great family uh, that are helping me at my house will help you at yours and give you the same great deal uh, that I got on your roof. Let's talk about justice. 
because, you know, we talk about our two-tiered justice system, and you hear a lot of blah, 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 blah from the other side about um, the, the biggest issue that we have in this country is guns, mm-hmm. because guns kill people, and we know that, and so they want to put more laws on the books to uh, further restrict gun usage, which, you know, law-abiding citizens would follow, right? Mm-hmm. Of course they would. Would criminals follow those rules? I don't think so. They probably would not. And what about the people who don't fit the narrative, who who maybe fall through the, the gaps? Um, and I'm going to give you some names. Joshua Mongold is one name, sentenced to 23 years for killing a guy named Riley Youngblood in a road rage incident. Now, I, I don't know if you're trying to pull a clip up on this or whatever, but I have not looked at this. I don't know whether these people are white, black, red, striped. I just don't know. Well, that's Joshua Mongold right there. Okay. So he's a a white white guy. guy. He's a white guy. He might self-identify, though. You never know. 23 years for killing a guy named Riley Youngblood in a road rage incident. How long will he really serve of the 23 years? Well, he's white, so, I mean, they're not going to have the priority of trying to get him out of jail because of racism. Well, even so, (laughs) I mean, you know, just in, in terms of a general sentence, okay? You probably cut it in half immediately, right? And then there are overcrowding issues. So he's not going to serve that long for killing someone, mm-hmm. all right? Um, and surely as a convicted felon, Joshua won't be able to get a gun after this, right? Hopefully well, he's, not. He's a criminal. Yeah, hopefully not. He'll get a gun. If he wants if one, he, if he wants to, I mean, yeah. If you if you want to get a gun, there there are ways to do it illegally. Yeah. Um, All right, you know, there's a lot of guns in America. So, uh, but according to Joe Biden, this was another clip actually that I can pull up real quick. But did you see the one of him talking about uh, gun trucks? Oh no, is that <laughs> so, a thing? Yeah, well, he he thinks it is. So uh, Biden claims that in Philadelphia and New York there are trucks just driving around. And pulling up on the curb and selling AR-15s to people. So, who needs to register as a federal licensed gun dealer? Because a federally licensed gun dealer is required by law to run background checks on those he's selling a weapon to. And in most cities down in Philadelphia and New York, areas I know well, like up here, you'd see a truck pull up, pull to the curb, and selling weapons. Selling guns, selling AR-15, selling weapons. Well, guess what? You do that now, you go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like the bookmobile or the the ice cream truck? The the ice cream man, yeah. The ice cream man's got an AK, you know, in the back. You just, you you have to give him like the secret password when you're ordering ice cream. You say, (laughs) you order chocolate, chocolate chip, and then he knows to to give you the AK. Well, let me put on the crown. I want to be king for a day here. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Yeah. You caught me by surprise, I'm sorry, Dale. Cut you with the pants down because I, I want to be king for a day on the Joshua Mongold sentence. By the way, that king is right-handed. I'm left-handed. Okay, so I'm king for a day. Joshua Mongold, you have been sentenced uh, guilty for killing Riley Youngblood in a road rage incident. You go into a six-by-six block, and you never come out again because you have given up, you have forfeited your right to live among civilized society. And I'm telling you, Kurt, we do this in one generation, and we'll knock it out. 
We'll get rid of it. You know, if you've been guilty of murder, there aren't extenuating circumstances, and there weren't. You're just an asshole, and something happened on the road, and so you thought it was okay to take out your gun and shoot somebody. And you knew it was wrong because you ran away. Yeah. Right? They had to come find you. Okay? Being an asshole and shooting somebody, um, (laughs) you don't have the right to do that. There is, you know, and no law that we pass is going to stop anybody from doing something like that. We've got to set examples. And a 23-year sentence for murder that will come down to probably less than 10 is not getting it done. Yeah, and I mean, there are certain things you can say, obviously, bad things are going to happen, and we can't stop every bad thing from happening. We can't. But... It is also true that we can have more deterrent for bad things happening. You yeah. know, if, if people know that they're going to go to jail for the rest of their life or even be put to death, uh, they're probably going to be less likely to do it. Or if they know that they go and try and shoot up somewhere and there's a bunch of people there that are armed and that are going to shoot back, then they're also probably less likely to do it. You know, right. there, are, there are things that we can actually do. Well, that was an example from the Kansas City area. Here's another one. Jariah Cockrell killed by her boyfriend in an accident. The boyfriend, Ronell Garner, charged with second-degree murder. Now, he says, it was an accident. We just had the gun. We were fighting. Oops, it went off, and she's dead. Yeah, how does that happen? Well, I don't know. And will he plead that down from second-degree murder to, you know, armed criminal assault or something, you know, like that? Um, That's an instance where if you could plead it down, where it's not an asshole who basically shoots somebody to kill them, if there are mitigating factors, if it was an accident, let's just go with all the ifs here, you still have to go away for a long time. Maybe not in my world, it's life in a box, but you got to go away for a long time. You can't just do some slap on the wrist sentence, get back out on the street, and then find a way to get another gun. Yeah. This is a Kansas City Star article, which I'm viewing on Yahoo to get past the paywall, but uh, a witness, I don't know if it was a witness to the crime or a witness that maybe lived close, said that Garner and Cockerell were in a romantic relationship and were living together. Over the course of the relationship, the witness said Cockerell had discussed multiple times in the past that Garner pointed a gun at her. The witness also told detectives of an assault one week earlier when Garner allegedly grabbed Cockerell by the hair and threw her around the room. At that time, the witness told police Cockerell went to the hospital with a large cut above her left eye. All right, I'm sure that a, was an accident too. He's an asshole. He goes to jail for the rest of his life. Put him in. This is again if if Dale's king for a day and all that. And I'm not. I, I don't get to make the rules. But I just to your point, there needs to be some legitimate deterrent other than hey, I'm going to go do my dime in state. I'm going to get out and I'm going to get a gun, and it's going to be you know as good as it ever was. Um, you know, there were more shootings and death Father's Day weekend and Juneteenth. Um, a related note, uh, Mayor Q is uh, up for re-election today, and he's going to win. As my old pal Randy Birch used to say about sports, in a game not as close as the score will indicate. I yep. mean, it's it's definitely going to be a landslide. And why not? Because he's running a great town here in Kansas City. <laughs> as Democrats waste their time on things that fit the narrative, all you got to do is see Ralph Yarl for that. Uh, the daily carnage is happening here and in other big cities. And then our favorite prosecutor, um, you know, Turnstile Gene, Gene Peters Baker making headlines by asking the governor not to pardon former detective Eric DeVolcanaire, uh, who shot a black person, right? And he's in prison. Bad guy, he's in prison. The governor says DeVolcanaire hasn't even asked for a pardon, and she's playing politics. No. No. So 
just let me just get this straight because I'm I'm a little confused and people may watching this may be confused. So the guy shot the cop shot a guy went mm. to prison exactly. Uh, the prosecutor okay, let me, let me Baker is, is accusing yeah. gov- the governor of wanting to pardon him, and the governor claims he never said he let wanted me, to pardon let him. Let me rewind the tape for you just a second uh-huh. here, because I probably left out a, a vital piece of information on this. Apparently, Gene heard through the grapevine that the governor was about to make a big-name pardon. Hmm. So in an effort to get out in front of it, Gene assumed it was Devalkanair. Hmm. So she's like... Well, we don't want him to pardon Devalkin air and the go- somebody's lying here. It's either the governor or Gene. Right. Um now or her source. Yeah. Well, yeah. either the, way. Whatever the leak is. Somebody somebody's yeah. lying here. Do you have yeah. a clip you're going to play on Gene? No, or? no. I mean, okay. I, I don't know. I didn't watch it, so. Yeah. So, somebody's lying here, but um yeah, I, I don't think Devalkin air is going to be pardoned, so it's a, it's a story out of nothing and, and Gene's just trying to raise, you know, a political point, I suppose. Meanwhile, you've got Daniel Penny, indicted by a grand jury in New York. The Marine veteran who saw a threat to subway passengers intervened to keep Jordan Neely from following through on his threats. You may recall his threats were, um, uh, I'm going to kill somebody, and I don't care if I die. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm ready to die. Yeah. I'm ready to go to jail. Yeah. Threatening people. So uh, Daniel Penny and another man, it wasn't just Daniel Penny, yeah. right? He's the big white Marine, though. So he's the target right. in New York. Um, he and another man subdued this guy and Neely died as a result. Now, it's going to be interesting to see, Kurt, I think, uh, because what, what Penny will say is, what he has said is, you know, there were black people on that train. And he was protecting them, doing yeah. what he was taught to do as a Marine. Will they come forward in his trial? Um, hopefully. You know, I mean, I, I, I've seen, and I tried to find it last night, but I didn't have a whole lot of time. But I did, I have seen um, interviews with other people who were on the train backing him up and basically saying, and yeah, should. this guy was was threatening everyone. And, you know, he was, he was presenting a legitimate threat. And this guy was not trying to kill him. He was trying to subdue him. And, you know, and then they said that, you know, he, he had him in a chokehold for 15 minutes or something like that, which I don't know if that's really even possible. And people have also, eyewitnesses have also said that that's not the case because, you know, nobody's holding anyone in a chokehold for 15 minutes. Right. And also when you're on the subway, there's much more than, much less than 15 minutes in between stops. You get to a stop, yeah. you know, the cops come in, you take them out or whatever happens. So, um, and the original video is not 15 minutes long. So. Well, and it's the same prosecutor who indicted Trump on that old trumped-up charge from the woman who says that Trump assaulted her, what, 30 years ago. Yeah. So it's the same prosecutor, so you know what his his um, uh, narrative is anyway. Yeah. And right now, if you're watching the, the major media out there, the narrative is big white Marine kills poor, defenseless, homeless black man. Yeah, and it, and it goes to just the general corruption and, uh, you know, just problems with our, our justice system because it's not just – the way that the law is applied unevenly. It's not just the judges. It's not just who's indicted and who's not indicted. It's the juries, you know, and and you have certain places in America, like New York, where... D.C. And D.C. Some people say that this um, is about race. You know, and, and other places, probably Kansas City, too, to, to a large degree, where if you're a guy like Daniel Penny, you're a white male, uh, you're a veteran, you know, and you you uh, subdued a, a black man... And, and he ended up dying, 
to, to think that you're going to have a fair jury of your peers that are going to actually look at the case objectively is very hard to believe. And the same thing goes for Trump, too. You know, Trump has to go in front of a jury. And, and like, what percentage of people in New York voted for Trump? What percentage of people in D.C. voted for Trump? Like two, yeah, one? Maybe. So, uh, and it's obviously political. You right. know, he's, he's the most popular man in America. So uh, it's just, you know, even the juries now, it's like, how do you, how do you really verify that these people are going to be objective? That's a, it's a real challenge. Well, and, you know, I wonder if he had it to do all over again, if, if uh, Daniel Perry would have just kept those earbuds in and just let the guy do what he was going to do. Yeah, and that's why the, would you help? I know. Yeah, that's that's a really kind of black pilled, sad reality of the whole thing. Is is you see someone's attacking someone or terrorizing someone, but then you see that it's a black guy, and you're like, well, is this really worth it? Because I'm going to do something about it, and then I'm going to go to jail. I'm yeah. going to be prosecuted. I'm going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. My face is going to be all over the media. Is it really worth it? And uh, that's a sad place to be, man. All right, up next on the podcast, it is the Midwest GI um, Midwest GI Health and Wellness Full of Shit Award. <laughs> and I talked to Dr. Mark Tyramina about this, and I said, are you okay attaching your fine company there in Lee's Summit to, to this award? And he just laughed, and he goes, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, Because basically, when you go to get your colonoscopy at Midwest GI Health and uh, Lee's Summit there, um, you're not going to be full of shit for very long. If you've ever had a colonoscopy, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you drink a bunch of stuff and it cleans you out completely. The good news about this, tw uh, twofold, number one, you'll probably lose about seven pounds yeah. almost immediately. And the second thing is when Dr. Tarmina and his staff get in there and they take a look, um, you'll, you'll get a clean bill of health. Or if there are some polyps in there, they'll send those off and we'll get ahead of it. Because the real thing is colon cancer is something you can treat if you catch it early, which is why we tell folks 45 and older, you need to have a colonoscopy. And the folks at Midwest GI Health and Wellness right there in Lee Summit are ready to help you get that done. One-stop shopping, a full uh, staff of people. And Dr. Taramina is one of the best in the business, uh, widely regarded here in the Midwest. West. He's a veteran, trained at Walter Reed Army Medical Center, um, and uh, Joan, his partner, trained at Dartmouth in New Hampshire. They know what they're doing. They'll get in there. And the good news is you'll walk out of there with a feeling of, okay, either there was something there and we did something about it, or there was nothing there and we'll see you in 10 years. Yeah, it, It's a win-win when you catch it early at Midwest GI Health and Wellness. Okay, the Full of Shit Award. It goes to our HHS Secretary, Javier Becerra, the former Attorney General of the state of California. He was up on the Hill and got into an exchange with Republican Congressman Jim Banks of my home state of Indiana. And Jim Banks, like the good lawyer I think he probably is, got Becerra to walk right into a trap. Mr. Secretary, when you were the Attorney General in California, your state expanded its ban on 18 to 20-year-olds owning handguns, including rifles and shotguns as well. And I'm, I'm just curious, what do you think, why do you think that 18 to 20-year-olds can't be trusted with a firearm? Congressman, let me uh, try to take you back a little bit when I was Attorney General in California, uh, but, but first by saying for us here at HHS, Gun violence is a healthcare crisis in this country, and we have to do everything we can. I'm proud that my state has tried to undertake measures that would try to keep uh, individuals from using, especially assault weapons, for purposes that uh, never should be deployed 
in a civilian society. And so, but we, you you supported these policy changes. I'm just curious, what why, what was it about 18 to 20 year olds that you focused on to take away their gun rights to own rifles or hunting hunting uh, shotguns and other firearms? What was it about that age? 18 to 20 year old. Yeah, we, we could go back to the legislative record. I was not the legislator, uh, a voter, uh, a, a legislator who voted for that legislation, but I was the AG who defended but our you didn't believe laws. you didn't believe that an 18 year old should be allowed to own a hunting rifle. Is that, I mean, that that's what you supported then. You still believe that today? My job as the attorney general was to defend the laws that the state of California has. So enacted. you do think that an 18 year old should be allowed to own a hunting rifle? Congressman, when you were the Attorney General, you have the ob an obligation to support and defend the laws of your state. I happen to believe in many of those laws that help us not only protect Americans from gun violence, but also keep weapons of destruction out of the hands of Americans when it's not necessary. Okay, uh, interesting way to dodge the question. I mean, back then you clearly defended and supported uh, changes in the law to stop 18 to 20 year olds from being able to own a firearm. And I, I just want to ask this question. Why, why do you think that children much, much younger than 18 year, years old, 9, 10, 11 year olds are mature enough uh, to make a decision uh, to have a sex reassignment surgery? Yeah. And because you support those policies too. So yeah. can you defend that for the committee? Why do you believe that a 9, 10 or 11 year old should be allowed to change their sex? So let me let me be clear. My my position, my views have not changed with regard to uh, gun violence and what we should do to try to control that uh, mass killing that's occurring. Uh, and so, whatever my views were when I was Attorney General on those issues, I, are are still probably the views that I have now. Uh, again, I'm not the Attorney General of California anymore. With regard to the health care of any uh, let, let me just be really clear. Then you believe that an 18-year-old shouldn't be allowed, allowed to own a hunting rifle. Today you believe that a 9, 10, or 11-year-old should be able to change their sex and have an irreversible surgery to do that. Just help us explain the, the logic. Yeah, Congressman, I would appreciate you if you let me characterize what I believe, and we can have a good conversation rather than you, you characterize what I believe. And what I would say to you is, with regard to gun violence, I think it is important that we take actions to protect our, our communities and our neighborhoods. With regard, I don't to the think issue. you want to explain it because you realize how crazy it is, and that's why you're, you're <laughs> no, dodging the, the question. Let me move on. This no, spring, uh, this yeah. spring, HHS released. I think that's enough of that. But, but you see how he walked him into the trap. It's yeah. like, okay, so 18 to 20 year olds can't have hunting rifles or shotguns, but 10 year olds can decide they want to have irreversible sex change surgery. Yep. Yeah. Walked so right into it. That is why we present on on a silver platter. The secretary of HHS, Javier Becerra, you are full of shit. You're full of shit. All right, thank now, you. Now, shush. You are speaking shit to me. You full of shit. You understand that? You full of shit. And remember, you won't be full of shit for very long if you're going to have your colonoscopy, and uh, they'll take care of you. Uh, Dr. Taramina and his full staff. So one last uh, shout out to Bob Watson, our state farm agent, my state farm agent for 28 years, almost 30 years now. He's taking care of me and my family with surprisingly great rates, but unparalleled service. When I've needed him most, Bob Watson and his team has been there for me. 7th and Main in Blue Springs, 816-229-7878. Auto, home, and life licensed in Missouri and Kansas. 
816-229-7878. Call Bob Watson. Tell him you heard about him here on the podcast and you want to get a rate comparison and talk to his staff about your insurance needs. Maybe you need life insurance. Now, there was a back in the old, old days, Kurt, I don't know if you've studied a lot of history on this, but when people died, they buried them and they ran a string up the grave to a bell. Have you ever heard about that? Oh, really? <laughs> and, the, and the idea was that if somehow somebody screwed up somewhere along the line and this person was still alive, they would pull the string from their coffin and the bell would ring and they'd dig them back up again. Now, I don't know that there was ever a case where anything like that happened, but I do know that there was a woman in Ecuador who woke up in her coffin during her funeral knocking on the coffin to get out. Yeah, she's not dead. She's still moving around in here. Trying to translate. <laughs> you okay? Now we're going to get you out of there. It's going to be okay. Look at her moving around in there if you're watching the video. It's crazy. How does that happen? I don't know. You know, one of my best friends is Marty Myers, who runs Myers Funeral Chapels, right? And we always joke about how, you know, when it's my time, see if you can find a way to shave 20 pounds off. Uh, my last FU to the environment is going to be I want a styrofoam casket, you know, so it goes, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but surely you would be dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they would have to at least, like, check your pulse or something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, in a reverse Jesus move, on the third day, she actually died again, and they were sure this time, and they planted her back in the ground. So They sent in an expert to verify. I guess send Marty down there. I mean, he would know. I mean, that's what he does for a living. Yeah. All right. So until next week, with thoughts of maybe if, if I turn up dead, maybe you should run like a string with a bell on it up to my tombstone so I can ring the bell if I'm really not dead. This is Dale Carter's America. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to dalecartersamerica at gmail.com. Check back for weekly episodes. Subscribe, spread the word, and give us a five-star review. Thanks for being a part of Dale Carter's America.